Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It says I'm finally streaming to you guys live on YouTube. Zoom is having a bit of a glitch and backlog going on right now and I'm not surprised right because we're all at home and a lot of us are connecting via zoom so welcome everybody I think I see myself showing up here on YouTube how are you see if people start streaming in and I'm gonna ask you guys to go ahead and type something in the comments section of the chat okay first person's filed in Think we are going to be up and running here. Excellent. Excellent. Let me put this a little like that. Like that. I think that's good. Hey, everybody. So if you're here watching, go ahead and type something in the chat. Let me know that you're joining me today. This is Don't Let It Go. And as I've promised, if you follow me on any of the social media platforms out there, I'm going to try to do a new sandwich format for today's show. And what is new sandwich? New sandwich is a format that I devised a few years ago. And what you want to do is you want to sandwich bad news of which we have plenty today in between items of good news. And so what I'm going to try to do is discuss predominantly good news related to coronavirus. You could say, well, how could there be any good news about coronavirus? But Given that things like coronavirus happen in the world, the good news is the way that people react to it and deal with it and our prospects for overcoming the hardship that has been posed by this emergency. So those, that's what I want to focus on predominantly today. And what I've asked people to do, and you can do this also here in the chat on YouTube, is send me links or you know, if you don't have a link to a story, a description of any piece of good news that you have seen in relation to coronavirus. I've got a bit of it written down in my notes that I'm gonna share with you and some people have shared with me over the last little while on social media. So please go ahead and do that. How is everyone doing? If you are here and you are able to type something in the chat, go ahead and do it. I know that sometimes people watch on YouTube and they're not necessarily logged in, but the benefit of logging in is A, you get to participate in the chat and B, you can give me likes, you can subscribe to the channel, all the things that are going to help this show succeed. So that would be great if you can go ahead and log in and participate in the various ways. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, If you want, I can go ahead and start trying to dive into some pieces of good news that we have out there. I think the one that really um, impressed me so much is that in Seattle, they have started already clinical trials for a vaccine. And they have, I believe it's called phase one trials, which are the riskier type of trials, riskier for the people who are participating in it. And they have at least four people um, participating in the trial in Seattle. Phase one trial. 
Seattle, if we're going to get it. Um, pretty sure the story comes up right away. Uh, yeah. First person injected with coronavirus vaccine in Seattle, and they've got videos of the brave woman who did it. As far as I understand, there were four so far who volunteered and, and stepped up for this. Um, it says the vaccine is mRNA-1273 developed by a biotech company called Moderna in combination with researchers from the National Institutes of Health. Trials being conducted at Kaiser Permanente and Washington Health Research Institute in Seattle. And phase one study, it says, aims to test three different doses of the vaccine and hopes to recruit 45 healthy adults for the initial trial. As I said, I heard about four so far. Participants will receive two shots of the vaccine 28 days apart and be monitored to evaluate both the safety and the immunogenicity of the vaccine. Uh, the later, the immunogenicity, which I can't say 12 times fast to what you're supposed to, the latter involves seeing how well the vaccine stimulates an immune response to the protein of the coronavirus surface, or there's a protein on the surface. Uh, first person to get the vaccine, bravo to her, is Jennifer Holler from Seattle. And she said, quote, I hope that we get to a working vaccine quickly and that we can save lives and people can go back to life as soon as possible, end quote. And that's the standard, right? You know, we have this, things like this are always going to happen. And yet we have now people trying to step up as much as possible, as much as government is now at least finally getting out of the way to a large extent and allowing things like vaccines to be developed, better testing to be developed and deployed um, and other sorts of private solutions to a problem really what we would like to see is more of this, more of government getting out of the way and more of government being, I mean, so not government, private individuals being innovative in the face of this. So bravo to the brave people there. Now we've got Marius uh, Dolalink, hello, and Robert over here in the chat. Thank you for participating. Uh, Robert says, the president promised right to try waivers. Yes. So the right to try waiver, as I understand it, applied in the past to things like, um, you know, sort of treatments for cancer and other terminal illnesses, and that you would go ahead and be able to try a drug that still hadn't been FDA approved if you were in that situation. So, I mean, this is what we want. We don't want people, you know, obviously to be given this without a full consent and everything. These are untested therapies, both, you know, the vaccine and maybe some of the off-label uses as well. At least the off-label uses of existing drugs, those are with respect to approved drugs, antivirals and such. But, um, you know, you want this right to try even for things that have not yet been tested. You want to give the option to people who are in the high risk categories and may really have their lungs compromised by the virus, et cetera. But we've already heard that distilleries across the United States are making their own free hand sanitizers to give away for free. I mean, this is a huge marketing opportunity, right? Because they could put the name of their distillery on a bottle of hand sanitizer and so people will always have a positive, 
value association with whoever it is that's giving them the hand sanitizer when all the hoarders went and bought everything in the store. Uh, now FDA is going to take no action against compounders preparing hand sanitizer. So now pharmacists are making it as well. Okay, good. So you mean I can actually go out and finally get some hand sanitizer myself. I think that is definitely good news. Of course, sanitizers go only so far as well. You've got to be really careful. The gold standard is hand washing. So I see more people are starting to join. If you're joining, go ahead and say hi here in the chat. Click like, subscribe if you don't. And yeah, we are just trying to get at all of the good news today. As I understand it, they are soon going to have available more uh, widely blood tests to show whether or not you already have the antibody on board, which is great news. And yes, and th this is the thing that I think is so wonderful is that people are starting to share more and more of the good news out there. There's been a, just a plethora of papers talking about various drugs that again are already FDA approved for other purposes being used to combat the coronavirus and people who have been infected. Um, so one of those is apparently a Japanese flu drug that has been deemed to be clearly effective in treating coronavirus. And any of these sort of antiviral drugs, it's not surprising that they're going to have this kind of application. So article over at The Guardian. Yes, I will take your cookie. Oh no, okay, save and close, I'm fine. Cancel. I'm okay with cookies, I'm saying for today. So see, just for you guys, I'm gonna have all kinds of cookies on my, on my phone. Uh, medical authorities in China have said that a drug used in Japan to treat new strains of influenza appeared to be effective in coronavirus patients. Official of China's Science and Technology Ministry, the drug is called Favipirinar? No, Favipiravir. Favipiravir. You can say that 12 times fast. None of these things can be said 12 times fast. Uh, it's developed by a subsidiary of Fujifilm and it produced encouraging outcomes in clinical trials in Wuhan and Shenzhen involving 340 patients. High degree of safety, clearly effective in treatment, they're saying. There are a bunch of other antivirals and things. Uh, there's a lot of information being spread out there about things not to take as well. So for example, I'll share the news now. Uh, don't take an non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug if you want to be sort of fit to combat the virus. If you need something for your fever, don't take ibuprofen, take your acetaminophen. And that is gonna be fun. Oh, grandma is over in the chat room. Grandma, Rena, hi, 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 welcome. And Miguel, yay, excellent. Um, uh, he, he says, Miguel says, I'm a voice of reason amidst all the chaos. I feel like um, the limits of my ability to be constantly reasonable are being quite challenged during this time. Uh, the one who is an unequivocal voice of reason everywhere that I've seen him is Amesha Dalja, of course. I am officially on his list for interviews, but his list, I'm sure, is a mile long. And I only put it in recently. And I put the proviso. I said, please prioritize sleep and rest over coming for an interview with me because those people who are really on the front lines, you want them to be well rested 
in addition. Uh, Dalaling says, I've heard something about a self-administered swab test that people can send in, send in for testing. This is the sort of thing that we really need to see more of. And you know, I'm still trying to get up to speed. And of course, it's changing all the time too. But I'm trying to get up to speed on how accurate the testing can be, particularly in people who are asymptomatic. Now, it seems that if you um, have been exposed long enough ago to have antibodies in your blood, it wouldn't matter what, you know, matter whether you're symptomatic or asymptomatic, there's going to be something in the blood that can talk about whether you were exposed. But if you're doing swabs, right? And from what I understand, this is something that goes into the lungs more than it really hangs out in the nose and the throat and they're swabbing the nose and the throat. It's perhaps not surprising that the swab tests are not super accurate, that they're having to swab people multiple times in order to get accurate results. And you would think that if people are asymptomatic, that it's going to be even harder to do a test that is accurate without drawing blood, for example. And then even there, it might take a certain amount of time for antibodies to build up enough in the blood to be detectable at a detectable level. So there are challenges, real challenges. It's not just, you know, you, you think about it. It's very easy in this time to kind of get upset and say, okay, and government is doing some wrong things in, in handling this crisis, but, you know, to say, oh, well, and they're to blame for the inaccuracy of the testing. No, you know, there's a real challenge here. And, you know, whether we're talking about the inaccuracy of the testing or um, the fact that hospitals are getting overwhelmed, it's not always the fault of the system. There is an actual real challenge and emergency that is going on here. And so again, you know, my standard for the good news is yes, government getting out of the way so that people can be free to develop the proper solutions. Um, and then at the same time, the solutions that people are starting to come, you know, forth with. There are, if you want to go immerse yourself, and I've seen people who are profitably immersing themselves in this, there are a lot of papers being published, again, about what sort of drug therapies using the existing drugs, maybe in off-label ways, are having good effect or not. There's some sort of a quinone, it's called chloroquinone or something that they're using in conjunction with zinc, and that's having good effects. There's a number of antivirals that are being used to good effect. So the more, you know, we're, we're buying some time. We don't know how long we're going to be in a lockdown slash self-imposed quarantine sort of state or government mandated quarantine in some areas. We don't know how long, but it is hopeful that even if we're not going to get a vaccine very soon, what we are going to have are some very promising, very effective antiviral treatments very soon. So if you combine the antivirals with blanket testing that is just widely available and effective testing, testing that's accurate for people who are even asymptomatic, the combination of those two things don't make it so urgent that we flatten the curve before a vaccine is you know, arriving. Because imagine that you could do all of this testing on a regular basis. Hopefully it's going to get cheaper and cheaper over time as well. 
and that you could just regularly get tested if you're experiencing just the slightest blip, or even if you just, you know, you're a worry wart and you just want to get tested all the time, you get tested and then you could, you know, presumably begin antiviral treatment before you ever get to the point that you would ever need to be in a hospital on a ventilator or any of these other things. So that's really the hope right now. I actually, gosh, you know, I'm going to have to pat myself on the back. I haven't looked at the updated numbers today yet, uh, you know, in terms of in my area or just in general to just to get a sense of the numbers. Um, but I think, of course, to the extent that people exercise social distancing, it is going to, you know, kind of level off at least the number of new infections are going to level off. And like I said, I'm very, very hopeful with all the spreading of the knowledge. And, um, you know, yesterday, just yesterday, we had the supporter hangout and uh, Michael was there and he shared a story. He, he's up in Seattle and he and his uh, wife think that they may have already had it. And they were sharing a little bit about what it was like and how they got through it. Neither of them had to go to the hospital. He was sick a bit longer than she was, which is kind of consistent. You've seen that in general, um, for whatever reason, I don't know why the men seem to be a bit more impacted than the women. Um, and, uh, you know, she was sick for a much shorter period of time than he, but he never ended up needing medical intervention. He says, you know, he used some expectorants at home. And it was not comfortable. It was not good. He was sick for two weeks, but he wrote out what, you know, we don't know for sure that it was, but it appeared to be. And so imagine you've got now a bunch of celebrities and sports figures who are sharing the fact that they're coronavirus positive out there on the net. And so there's, there's a kind of a sharing of information of a sort of a comforting kind. And just in that sense that people have been through it and here they are and they're talking to you and they look healthy. Um, and then there are also just the sharing of practical tips, the sharing of news about promising new therapies. So all of this is wonderfully good. The other thing that I really love to see are the stories about people taking steps to help those who are more vulnerable during this time. And, you know, I'll get on a soapbox a little bit about this because I actually saw in one of my social media feeds, somebody basically saying, you know, why would you cancel social gatherings just because somebody might get sick, you know, after all, they're not going to die and blah, 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 just not showing any compassion, any what GFDA is calling today, empathy. GFDA says show some effing empathy. That's their message for today. And I say, yes, yes, yes. Um, there are people who are more vulnerable to this virus. It's through no fault of their own. Um, these are not slackers or anything else. And, uh, you know, this, what, what's a human nature? Human nature is to go and actually just be helpful and generous to these people. Why would you want to needlessly put others at risk if you can go ahead and stay home a little bit and work from home, which is not the worst thing from everything that I'm hearing. I'm, I'm hearing people get benefits from working at home. What is wrong with in an emergency laying low for a couple weeks and doing things to help these people out? Okay, so I'm hearing some cases for Orange County, California as of the 16th. Um, 
Oh, wait. So I had heard um, case history as of yesterday, I think, which is that there are now 396 tests and then, uh, but it was 96, they did 96 new tests in a day and then they got seven positives out of those 96, which is fairly low. You know, again, I don't know always the accuracy and, and everything else. Um, yeah, the self-administered swab test would be more than welcome. And those of us who, you know, want to test all the time, we buy up a whole bunch of those tests and spend our money doing it and, you know, reward financially the companies that are stepping up and offering something that would be a great thing so you know back on the idea of helping out those people who are more vulnerable to it uh, i see stores that i saw first on social media people were suggesting that stores open for an hour in the morning only for people who are older or disabled or immunocompromised or something in some way the people who actually need to just go into the store and not have people coughing on them. It's very urgent. Plus, of course, you know, in the morning, the stores are freshly sanitized. And that has become actually a, a kind of a bigger issue than maybe we thought that we want all those surfaces sanitized for people who are immunocompromised. Just give them a shot to go in there and get their stuff. Now, one step even better, perhaps, is that I've heard that there's a trend on nextdoor.com to offer to go for people in your neighborhood and get supplies for them. So actually you'll go out there, get the supplies for them and say, leave them on their doorstep and, and stuff like that. It is great to see human beings, you know, stepping up and showing compassion for their fellow man and helping out again, if it's no sacrifice to you, I'm not saying go out there and sacrifice yourself, but I am saying show a little empathy. And, and the particular example that I saw on the social media feed was it was oh um, a, a kid's birthday party was going to have to be canceled because oh you know somebody's relative of somebody at the party might get sick or something and this is a real danger you know it is not you know you know kids don't necessarily make the calculation the way that adults will, right? So for a child, if the child misses a big birthday party that they were looking forward to, it's a very big deal for the child. But, you know, giving a child exactly what they want all the time, regardless of circumstances, is not the job of a parent. Um, but, you know, parents know, of course, is it really worth having that one social gathering if you think that potentially you're going to infect somebody who's going to die from the virus as a result of your decision to have a birthday party. Can't you just sort of postpone the birthday party until we sort of get this thing under control and know that we've got some good solid antiviral therapies for people at the very least. No, we don't have to put our life on hold all the way until the vaccine is available. They're still saying 12 to 18 months, notwithstanding the promising news out of Seattle, but certainly we can just sort of lay low a little bit, slow the rate of contagion, and people are working very quickly to develop these antiviral treatments. And I think it's going to be just a matter of time before we can do a lot. Uh, can they avoid every single death that might occur because of this? No. Um, that's asking more than the possible. And, you know, this goes into something, and I'm going to strong arm uh, him at some point to, to come on, but uh, Benjamin 
has had a blog post recently called Mental Obesity. And he's had a series where he's talked about this theme, but the theme is that we expect in modern society to be insulated from risk in a way that really isn't warranted, you know, and, and we get kind of spoiled. Um, the, the whole toilet paper fiasco has been really funny and, and crazy along those lines, but you know, people right now are thinking, what is it? You buy enough toilet paper and you're going to be protected from coronavirus. If, you know, Trump sends out a check to everybody, you're going to be protected from coronavirus. No, you know, there, there's certain things in the world that can still harm human beings, regardless of putting forth our best effort that's possible under the circumstances. What we want to cheer is we want to cheer human beings putting out their forth their best effort possible under the circumstances and just cheer and, and marvel at the human ingenuity in some of the cases that we've seen as well. People able to isolate the particular antibody that we need to go ahead and get tested or the antibody that we need to use to develop a vaccine and everything else. Uh, Dull Link says people have such great ideas for limiting risk. It is great. Yes. And, and we can, I mean, we can limit risk to a large extent, but it's never going to be a hundred percent. Oh, they're saying now it's cat litter. So, yeah. So then which is more of a, um, a risk? Is it toilet paper or cat litter? Uh, I, I took one for the team a little bit yesterday. I watched the JP Sears toilet paper apocalypse video that he just released. And um, like a lot of his humor, yeah, it is uh, sad, but he, um, I'll give you, I'll give you one spoiler that was humorous because he also, he, he is not a fan of kale. If you've watched him talk about the keto diet, he is not a fan of kale and um, kale is highly rated by JP in the video as a potential toilet paper substitute. But, you know, now he's going to have to get on the cat litter, which is more of an emergency, the lack of toilet paper, the lack of cat litter. You can, you know, kind of judge for yourself. But um, yeah, the cat litter thing could be a pretty bad, especially. Um, yeah, I haven't owned cats for a very, very long time. And when I was young and we owned a cat, the cat had to be outdoors because my mother was allergic, but I have heard through reliable friends who have told me that if you have a cat peeing in the wrong place in the house, not in a litter box, it is not a pleasant experience. So yeah, you can judge which is the worst emergency of one of those, but I, you know, I don't think we're going to have that right now. I haven't gone out to the stores today, for example, but as I understand it, they're going to be restocked. Everything is going to continue in that regard. And as I said, you know, while some people are talking about, oh gosh, we can't do this for 18 months while they develop a vaccine. I don't think we're looking at that. All the news stories that I'm seeing, the papers that are publishing their results about successful viral treatments for this, the developing of the testing and stuff, um, the, the, we're going to get out of this much sooner with, again, the ability to help those who are still very vulnerable. Uh, we're not going to eliminate all the risk, but we're going to eliminate enough to be able to go on with daily life. I'm, I'm clearly optimistic about that. Uh, liquor delivery is now allowed in New Hampshire. Perhaps that's one of the more important essential services that <laughs> um, the price of one of the Amazon B-Days doubled in one day. 
some of the prices on Amazon, but you know, Amazon has a corporate policy against price gouging and then people might say, well, is that good news or bad news? For a couple days, New York Times was featuring a story about the guy who'd purchased or purchased, I don't know, I guess he must have purchased it somewhere, but then he hoarded it, 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer, and he was trying to do some price gouging on Amazon, and then he got shut down. Um, I think it's great that Amazon decided to have its own personal private company policy that they don't want to allow price gouging on their platform. I mean, if people want to price gouge, they have the right to. Do I think in this time of crisis that it's the greatest thing in the world? You know, maybe just hike the price up a little bit to reflect the fact that you're out there doing all these transactions and you're probably working your butt off because the demand is so high. Okay, fine, a little, but the gouging, I mean, some of the prices that I saw for hand sanitizer and some of the dubious descriptions of what was actually in the bottle that they were selling, I I wasn't going to go anywhere near any of those products anyway. I don't know about you, but yeah, liquor delivery sounds good. Um, you know, Amazon is doing great business. They're hiring a lot. So that, that's going to help people get through, but I'm optimistic that we're looking at a couple weeks of this and that there's going to be enough encouraging news about really getting ahead of it and having enough viral, you know, antiviral treatments to handle the bulk of the treatment phase of, of what's needed for this. Uh, and wouldn't it be nice? And he, here's the other thing, you know, those people who are saying, Oh, Amy, you know, you, I'm an obleftivist. I've got my obleftivist card forever now. Uh, it's platinum for the, the rest of my life. Uh, you know, again, showing empathy to people who are suffering from something like this through no fault of their own. It's not sacrificial. It's not collectivistic. It is just, showing just benevolence towards your fellow man to not do things that needlessly put other people at risk. You don't have to hold your birthday party right now or do any of these other things. And it's not, you know, contrary to a selfish philosophy to have to cancel it. This is something that could be, you know, an interesting discussion with someone like Ben Shapiro, you know, who thinks, oh, well, capitalism only forces people into altruism, whatever. You know, I say, look, Um, You know, if Amazon wanted to, it could allow people to do price gouging and all that stuff. But no, you know, you can have policies. Apple, before anything was ever shut down, decided, okay, they're going to just shut their stores down for a couple weeks. And other chains followed suit. They said, at J. Crew as well is one of my favorites. They also decided some days after Apple that they were going to close down all their stores and they're going to pay their employees for a couple weeks. They're doing it for a couple weeks. Um, I think it's a great thing. Uh, oh yeah. So then, uh, Brees is over here in the chat at YouTube that this guy who had hoarded all the 17,000 bottles of sanitizer donated it all to first responders and hospitals to avoid prosecution. Yeah. Just to avoid prosecution. Um, don't, don't be a jerk out there and don't think that somehow all of this is against, selfishness in any way it is perfectly consistent you know if you have extra time at home and to spare in the neighborhood and you can volunteer at nextdoor.com to help out your neighbors or you know you don't have to volunteer even to anonymous people you can volunteer to the next door neighbors that you know that you uh you know that you value just you know, do an errand if you're going out anyway especially hey can i pick up something for you and that's it don't touch them you know, use your hand sanitizer before you leave their plastic bags, et cetera. But 
you don't have to do that. Uh, they're asking, was prosecution a possibility? You know, there are certain places where they have had anti-gouging laws or temporary regulations. So definitely. Applejack, hello, says hello from Nebraska. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for joining me here. So what else do we have in the realm of good news? I, like I said, I've heard about Nextdoor. I've heard about the stores giving a special hour. I've heard about promises, promising therapies in antivirals. I've heard about promising blood tests that we're going to have soon. Um, let me see if I can pop up anything that is the very latest in this regard. I think, I think it's in Italy that they actually have a promising blood test. Yeah, uh, Italian company has introduced reliable blood tests, providing results within 15 minutes. So we are getting there. We are getting there. Again, how long do you have to have been exposed for the antibodies that they're testing for to show up in your blood? That is another question. But I am optimistic that between the developments and the testing and the antivirals, that we're gonna see a lot of the risk being mitigated soon, that we're gonna see travel bans and various things lifted. And moreover, we're just gonna see um, a lot less suffering and death. And then hopefully the markets will recover. We know that the markets have been uh, bad. So that's the good news. Good news is people stepping up to be volunteers in the trials for a vaccine and Notwithstanding that, we have a lot of progress on the testing and the antiviral fronts. It's looking quite good. Um, and so then we do have to dive a little bit into the bad news. We know that stocks have still been tanking. There is quite a death toll globally around the world. And then also it's been creeping up some in the United States uh, we have now various power grabs by politicians. Um, you know, again, I don't want to discount the fact that this is a real emergency, but is it really going to help everyone if Trump sends a check to everyone or nearly everyone? As far as I know, if you send $1,000, for example, to every single person in the United States, all it's going to do is cause inflation in United States. Maybe you get your check earlier than your neighbor and you cash it earlier than your neighbor and you run down and you buy like five years worth of toilet paper uh, faster than your neighbor or something and you get the cheaper price, but pretty much all the prices are going to start going up in that case. Um, there have been stories of younger people who have not taken the empathetic approach and have decided that notwithstanding all the warnings about social distancing, that because they personally have very little risk of being harmed by coronavirus, they're just going to go out and have their parties. I saw pictures of people doing their spring break in Texas as if nothing was going on, some kids. And, you know, to me, this does not show the best spirit in people at all. It shows a tremendous lack of empathy. Um, and, what, you know, what is the reason for that? I mean, do you think that there's a reason that applies to this generation of kids in terms of lack of empathy that is different from prior generations of kids? Could we say that it's part of the online culture that somehow they aren't 
having as much person-to-person -person interaction, and so therefore that's making them less empathetic. Um, why? Now, uh, Dulla Link in the chat room in terms of the government power grab says, it seems people and companies were quarantining, limiting events with crowds without government. Then government saw people uh, that they may realize that the government isn't needed and they started mandating shutdowns. Yeah, I mean, that could be part of it. You know, they wanted to show that they're very necessary. Uh, I think it's just also government's desire to appear that they're doing something as well. Um, somehow the, the, you know, the idea that they need to be doing this, it's, it's ridiculous. On the other hand too, I mean, this is a real emergency and unfortunately we are in a situation in which people have become dependent on government for, you know, certain types of protection. So it can't be the case that suddenly right now, instantaneously, we're just going to rely on private sector to pick up everything that government has ever done before. Uh, you know, at, at the same time, you can't say, okay, well, we want government to institute further controls and further clampdowns that aren't justified. Uh, people were talking about the Patriot Act after 9-11, for example, and they're saying, well, what's going to happen in this crisis? What is government going to use this crisis as an excuse for? Uh, as I said, I'm optimistic because of the developments that we're seeing along the lines of testing and antiviral that the you know, magnitude of the emergency is going to lessen thanks to human ingenuity and that government is not going to have the pretext for massive sorts of controls or new things like a Patriot Act that's going to apply for decades after the actual emergency that inspired it. Uh, Grandma says, my employer was very supportive when I self-isolated a week ago today. I'm not sick, just old with extra risk and a very public job. Yes, that is exactly the sort of thing that should be going on. Um, and, and I actually have heard of other employers, too, who were ahead of the curve and said, no, you know, any non-essential travel or actually all company-related travel, because the company itself wouldn't have been deemed an essential business, that they weren't going to have their employees travel at all, not even by car as of last week, for example. Uh, Miguel says, as a millennial, he says, I think part of the reason that people my age are partying has more to do with defying authority and the atmosphere of fear in society right now and less to do with limited empathy. Yeah, now, so I compare this when... Um, when I was at UCLA many years ago, we had the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles. And they, for a couple nights, had instituted a curfew, but it seemed that they had the curfew sort of a bit longer than it was actually necessary to stay in. And, you know, you want to stay in and be safe. Even if you're a kid, you maybe, if you've got a little bit of sense to you, you appreciate that you don't want to just go out and risk your life to party on a Friday night or something, but it turned out that they had extended it probably longer than necessary. And so a friend and I, we actually snuck out during the curfew and went to a bar and, you know, all you did walk, walked from home to the bar and then later walked to the bar and back. It's not, you're just going to go walk the streets and stuff, but we took that risk. Now, if you had told me at the time that it was not 
you know, just a personal risk to you that there might be some people out there and they're going to hurt you. But at the same time, by going out there, you are posing a risk to other people. I think even at that time, I would have, you know, was I smart about myself? But, you know, we could say maybe, maybe not. There were National Guard tanks on the corner that we walked past, right? Um, but it was me. I was putting myself at risk. Was it wise? Eh, we could, you know, debate. But I wasn't putting other people at risk that I knew of or thought of at all. I didn't think there was even really risk to myself. So, you know, is it the same? Is it comparable? I don't know. Um, Defying authorities. Now, as I understand, there is a culture of defying authority that exists in Italy. And part of it is out of necessity, because as I understand it, it is so bureaucratic there that you actually literally can't survive and do anything pursuing values on a daily basis unless you're breaking some rule. And that's almost the case here in the United States as well, right? But it's so bad there that there's um, sort of a bravado about it, you know, like which rule did you break and how you're so awesome at breaking rules. So if you just have defying authority for the sake of defying authority, that's no good. And And I've seen an element of this here in the United States, again, on the social media feeds, when People are not keeping in mind that what the government is mandating right now is actually the thing that we would want to do normatively, right? Now, maybe not in all cases, and we, you know, I'm open to debate about to what extent it needs to be done, but there is a lot of social distancing and sort of self-quarantining and self-isolation that needs to be done right now. And I cheered when Apple, before there was any mandate, said, yeah, I'm going to close, you know, we're going to close the store for two weeks. You go in an Apple store, it's just packed. People are just right. because All the stuff is awesome. And everybody wants to go see the new Apple products and play and everything. And imagine trying to keep those things clean and free of the coronavirus. Last thing I heard, by the way, is that coronavirus can survive on surfaces quite a bit longer than we had previously thought, right? So um, hours, days, in some cases, in the case of plastics and stainless steel. So it really is important for those surfaces in places, you know, where it could be passed to have those surfaces cleaned frequently, um, or that you, when you're at a store or whatever, you know, use that cloth to push the buttons or do whatever it is that you have to do and minimize your contact with surfaces that might be contaminated. Um, you know, this, the, it is, it is really important to take these steps. Uh, maybe the reliance on government lead to the young people not isolating because they see everything as the government's response. I mean, so this is it, right? There's this over reaction against the government rules. So, you know, as I said, normatively, I think so much of this is what we should do at this particular time. Uh, the fear, which I think is a realistic fear, is that government uses it as a mere power grab, as um, a reason to justify their own controlling intervention agenda. And of course, you know, to the extent that government made the crisis worse, it's even more insulting because at the beginning, they were not allowing for all of this testing of, you know, and, and the, um, I forget what Robert, 
the, it's the right to try, right? The right to try sort of laws, applying that to coronavirus therapies and everything else. All of that should have been done a lot sooner because again, that's the way that we're going to minimize the risk. Uh, Bree says hand sanitizer before and after you touch anything other people touch. Yeah, if you go to a store with hands that are freshly cleaned and then afterwards you clean them again, you're, you're probably good. Uh, the better stores, as far as I can tell, are the ones that offer the cloths out there. And I use those cloths liberally when I go to the stores. Whether all the things that I've done have succeeded, I guess we're going to know in the next couple of weeks if I keep offering you guys shows. Um, yeah, so kids and jerks. And the other thing that I wanted to highlight as, as bad is the lack of logical discourse out there, right? So, you know, one thing I was just talking about was sort of the inbuilt biases against government intervention that make people rail against some of the things that government is mandating, which happen to be normatively good, right? So we need to separate the fact that government is mandating it from the fact that it itself is maybe a good idea, that it's exactly what's called for right now, that a person who is acting morally would want to do these things right now. There's nothing wrong with everybody wanting to lay low for a couple weeks while this happens. And in fact, you know, you could say right now in a situation where unfortunately through progressive education and everything else, people have been trained to not listen unless the government is putting some real penalties behind it. Ugh, it's, it's not the best thing, but sit, sit with it a little bit. And unfortunately that is where we are, right? That, that people are used to government providing solutions and unless there are fines, this is one bit of you know, kind of bad news that I've heard that there's actually been sort of more imposition of fines um, in Italy than other, you know, like than actual bad effects. Like the government is imposing fines quite liberally there. Here, what I'm seeing is that the government is threatening to impose fines or even jail terms. I haven't seen how much that's actually imposed yet, but it might be the case that there are a number of jerks out there that unless they're actually threatened with that, they're not going to do the sensible thing. And again, because you've heard this before, people who are asymptomatic are the ones who are responsible for much of the spread. Something really does need to be done. We need to get through to those people in some way. So, um, you know, if you're younger, I'm going to ask you just to consider this if you're thinking, and you know, it's funny, I, I watched Haley Mary sort of go through this and, you know, she's, you know, quite a bit younger now. She's not a young, unthink unthinking, unsympathetic person, but at first, you know, and I think everybody's kind of calculating day by day what the risks are, but at first she was going to go ahead with her tour. She had this tour planned both in Australia and then in the UK and she was going to go ahead with the shows. And I think just count on people who come to the shows to be sensible. Her shows typically aren't so crowded yet. They should be, but they're not. And so, yeah, you could keep your six feet social distancing. You could be sensible at a Haley Mary show. But she decided both because personally her partner had returned from the UK. So she really should have self-isolated. And then plus, you know, just to be responsible because she doesn't know how people at the show are going to conduct themselves she went ahead and canceled the shows for now. We said, you know, she would have her tour later. 
And I think that was a sensible thing to do. Now I'm going to ask you, is it really essential for you to do whatever it is you thought you wanted to do right now? And couldn't you put it off because, you know, think reasonably, think the fact that you could be asymptomatic and yet contagious. Um, and that other people could therefore get it from you and then they could be asymptomatic and then give it to their friend who gives it to somebody who is at risk. Um, it doesn't take too much for it to propagate to somebody who is truly at risk and threatened by this. The Dow is below 20,000 now is what I'm hearing. Yes, yeah, so this, is, this is the bad news. And, you know, as I said, we started with the good news. I think the good news is that it is going to, you know, in terms of the actual medical threat stop. And then we hope that any of, maybe there's an over dip in the market. Now you could argue and say that there was a lot of air or bubble or whatever we want to call it in the market before. And so that some of the drop has been fine because, you know, Trump has been propping up the economy to make himself look so good during this presidency. So you get some of that out. That's okay. Now it's looking like it might be dropping to an extent that the government and everybody else has ensued this panic. There's one story actually that I saw that um, the Russians are actually trying to sow panic on social media in Western countries. They want us all to be panicked and, and ready to, I guess, submit to, some sort of totalitarian control like they have, you know, why we want these people to submit and maybe the signs in the stock market is that some people are really in, in somewhat of a panic. I am hoping that if they keep their heads about them, that they will look at the things that I talked about in the first segment, that they will look at the developments in testing. They will look at the development of the antivirals and see you know, for me, next time I get worried, I'm going to have to make myself watch the show again and, and uh, remind myself of the, the good news that's coming. And I think it's going to keep coming in respect to the actual threat that is posed by this. Uh, some of what we're seeing could be more evidence of the fact that the market being dependent as it is on government so much, government intervention, that all the, a lot of the numbers in the market are so sensitive to every government announcement about what they're going to do, that's not a good thing. Maybe people are going to learn a little bit of a lesson from this crisis. That's maybe a real pie-in-the-sky hopeful thing. I'd love to ask uh, Keith, uh, Keith Weiner about that, but, you know, maybe it's one of the lessons that people will learn. Caesar says, that's why I'm partying, partying because the market is going down. I, you know, at the, at the bottom, maybe there's a buying opportunity. Who knows what's going to happen with that, but uh, let's hope it rallies again once the news gets a little better. As I understand it, the case, the increases in case counts in places like uh, China is very little. And then I think in Italy, even the number of new cases has started to level off and decrease. And I think they're doing more testing too. So the hope is they're ahead of the curve. I think the, in Italy, the um, kind of wild card that we still don't know is to what extent the people migrating from the North to the South before there was a lockdown, 
will have an effect on the spread in the South and will it overtax the resources in the South? Um, the, the bit of bad news that you know I want to focus on a little bit is some of the lack of logic, people abandoning their logic. So again, they've really ridden their biases against government intervention to the extent of dismissing common sense good measures that happen to be mandated by government right now. So there's that. I've seen some racist comments, of course, but also defense of racist comments. So there was the journalist who said that she was to her face told by some White House official, they were calling it the Kung flu. Like, oh, ha ha ha, very clever. I mean, to me, I blame, to some extent, elements of the Chinese culture. And of course, also the actions of the Chinese government in hiding this and not dealing with it properly at the beginning for the fact that all of us have had this disruption right now. Um, okay, so Josh in the chat room is going to argue with me a little bit about this, which is cool. He says, wouldn't it make sense that the people at risk take action since there is less of them and it is in their own personal interest as opposed to requiring everyone to shut down? So here's the thing. Um, okay, for, first of all, requiring everybody to shut down is one thing. So should government be requiring everyone to shut down? And I make a contextual judgment that right now, given the fact that we are in a situation where everyone is so dependent on government, that if you didn't have some sort of a government mandate with a penalty behind it, then people wouldn't do the right thing to enough extent. And so we need to phase out government involvement in any of this stuff. Now, then the question is normatively, normatively, should, should everyone want to lay low? right? Should everyone want to lay low for a couple weeks just to avoid death and destruction out there? And I would say, yeah, you know, normatively, everybody should want to do this. Now, the other thing is that unless everybody controls their behavior to a certain extent, they're not going to provide for the vulnerable groups, the isolation that is needed. So at the very least, those People can't shelter in place at home, so to speak, unless they have assistance from other people who aren't at risk and who go out and grab the supplies and help them out. So at least there's that. Um, but at the same time, because, you know, the, the spread is among the asymptomatic and, you know, they're developing the antiviral therapies and everything else, you could have people pull back at least to, you know, to what extent? Yeah. So grandma Rena says, I am not requiring anyone else to shut down. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's sh to what extent should it be required? To what extent should someone just be willing to do it to whatever extent that they can just lay low for a couple of weeks and allow these therapies to be developed, allow the testing to be more widely deployed and, and different things. Uh, if you talk about, you know, should everybody be locked in their house for 18 months this way? No, right? That doesn't seem to make sense given what we know about the risk of the vaccine and everything else. At a certain point, life has to go on, but hanging low for a couple of weeks, Apple has decided it's in its long-term company's best interest to close the stores for two weeks and pay the employees. They're taking a tremendous hit, but I think it's 
a good thing. And I'll continue to reward them with my business. Same with J. Crew. Um, normatively, I think it's a good thing to shut down for a limited period of time while you can point to concrete progress that can be made against it so that when life goes on afterwards, you're not going to have a big spike in cases. Like it's going to be all for nothing and a bunch of people are going to die anyway. If you can really save lives by hanging out for a couple of weeks at home, even if these are people you never know, you've never met, you just, you know, you assume as a human being that these other people are generally good people and you don't want them to die needlessly. You want them to be able to spend more quality years with their families and loved ones. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And the fact that government is mandating it doesn't somehow suddenly make it bad. It doesn't turn it into bad. And that's one sort of logic that is logic that I've seen out there. Um, you know, the other thing is just people defying authority for the sake of authority anyway, and going out there and dropping contacts, right? So the kids who are dropping contacts, well, I'm not at risk. Well, no, but what you're doing to put so many other people at risk. Uh, Josh says a couple of weeks at home would put a huge financial issue for many, right? And so then we start to say, okay, you know, can we have people chipping in? Um, you know, what are the couple weeks at home, you know, that is, is going to happen? I think the companies, a lot of cases can pay. Um, there can be charitable donations. People say, look, I'm going to be really hard hit. And some people can say, you know, I'm sorry, I really can't afford not to go to work for a couple weeks. And those people who are, where it's really that crucial, it would be a sacrifice for them. I mean, that's the question you have to ask. Is it a sacrifice? Huge financial issue versus sacrifice, given the circumstances of your particular case. If it is not a, an actual sacrifice, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to get people to consider is just benevolence towards your fellow human being. Perhaps a lot of benevolence towards our fellow human beings has been wrung out of us because we've been forced into charity through the government and everything else. And, um, you know, maybe the sense of life has sort of eroded. Um, dull link in the chat room says, I definitely have an anti-government intervention bias. Thinking objectively is hard. And it's really hard in this type of crisis because we're also all personally stressed about the sickness itself. I mean, who wants to be sick? And we know that government has dropped the ball in various ways along the line and that maybe some of this wouldn't even have been necessary if government had been doing its job from the beginning, which is being transparent and allowing for the private sector to step up and handle the testing and the antiviral treatments and everything a lot faster. Uh, he says it would be, uh, Josh says it'd be easier to support the vulnerable to stay home than the entire economy on support. And certainly I'm open to arguments like that where we could provide support for people who are more vulnerable through again, you know, next door or the stores having special hours and all of these sorts of things. What I'm saying is social distancing, however we achieve it. And there are a lot of ways to achieve the social distancing that's required is awesome. I loved seeing those stories, for example, out of um, Singapore where they were saying that, um, you know, they, was it Singapore? I can't remember if it was Singapore, where they used robots to deliver things to the coronavirus patients. And so the robot with the screen on it and on the screen, you know, you'd see your 
healthcare provider and stuff talking to you. So it was a little bit more personal than just a robot, but the robot would be delivering your food and your care provider would be talking to you through the screen and stuff. It's uh, you're missing human contact. You really are, but that is the way to keep providers, healthcare providers safe. DDV uh, show says living in Florida for now, I'm lucky. My employer is still working. I wonder how long it will last. There are certain professions where maybe you can continue to work, but for example, the restaurants, they're, they're allowed here to offer only takeout. And if the employees are being very careful about how they prepare those takeout packages, there's no reason I wouldn't want to support the business by taking some takeout from the business and helping to keep it alive during this slump. And that's the sort of thing that everybody can do to make the disruption as little as possible. Um, I've seen though, you know, like I said, a lot of non-logical comments out there. And what took the cake for me this morning was Nick Searcy, who I've known for quite some time and we followed each other on Twitter and everything. He was having a debate. I'm pretty sure it was about coronavirus something because that's all everybody's talking about on Twitter. And um, the question, some guy was saying to him, you know, Nick, are you saying that another person's opinion should be invalidated because they have fewer Twitter followers. And he says, yes, that is what I am saying. I mean, that's just not logical, right? Why are we dropping logic entirely in this, you know, time of, of crisis? We, we need to really keep our wits about us. And that was actually a GFDA piece. It was like, you know, think and rationally or something like that. And yeah, keep your heads about you. Keep your heads about you. Don't lose logic. Besides the fact that there is a toll that something like this is naturally going to take. There is perhaps an exaggerated reaction in the stock market. Why? Because of government mismanagement, both of markets in general, and then of this crisis in particular, uh, we are having, you know, there is a risk, a substantial risk of power grabs. There is this bad news, but, you know, to switch it back over to the good news before I have to close the show for the day, I don't want to leave you on bad news. I'm going to leave you on good news. Let's think of some of the potential long-term effects. We might learn various things, right? So we might learn about how inept government is to deal with actual human problems because of this crisis. The government is bad as a regulator of markets because it makes markets propped up in this weird way that makes them vulnerable to huge swings, swings that are larger than justified in a crisis like this. We might finally learn that the Russians are up to no good and they're gonna to continue to try to sow panic. Uh, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg might learn that he should lay his hands off of um, the community standards a little bit because recently there's been stories about, you know, just kind of blocking as, as violating community standards stories that are very innocuous about, for instance, Japan developing a certain type of testing kit. I shared a story about Japan developing a coronavirus test kit and again, quick results and everything. And I was saying, well, wouldn't it be great if this was available on Amazon? And they said, this violates our community standards. No, if, if you have, is that, the, you know, is that your community standards? It shouldn't. We need more open information. We don't need, you know, good information being blocked out there. Maybe we need to learn that there are better and worse ways to spread information. Um, telecommuting, people are telecommuting. 
And just yesterday from one of the supporters, I got a story about uh, the telecommunity is, is a benefit to him because now he is able to meet the needs of a client for whom he had wanted to offer more remote sort of service. He's doing it remotely. And now the client is able to see, hey, look, I can get the value that I need even working remotely. Uh, think of all the things that have you know, been made available online. A number of museums are offering virtual tours online that hadn't before. There are people who are broadcasting concert and other cultural events online that hadn't before. I remember we were going to see some of that. You know, you could watch a Broadway play online if you weren't on, you know, at Broadway, able to go to New York. Let's see more of those sorts of opportunities. We have people being able to connect with each other online and who are actually doing it more. I have a friend on Facebook who uh, lives overseas and says, hey, I'm going to have virtual meetups with some of my friends now. Maybe he thought about it before, but this is making him actually do it. And then he's going to start a habit of this. Uh, telemedicine says Josh is required to be covered by insurance in New Hampshire. I had one question earlier and it was something about what is going to be the cost for testing for coronavirus. And then I understand that Trump and one of his many mandates that he's throwing out there, I think Trump's mandates are probably panicking the market because they have no idea what he's going to do next. Right. Um, one of his many mandates was that the insurance companies have to cover coronavirus treatments and testing and everything else. Um, Miguel says, I hope you're right about people becoming more averse to government intervention. Um, I hope that's true as well. You know, we, we have no guarantee of it, but it, we are providing more data for people to look at. And so someone like a Keith Wiener could go out and explain what I suspect, which is that the reason we're seeing such huge drops, perhaps beyond the risk that is being reflected, is one of two things. The market itself is artificial. The numbers in the market are artificial, that they're not propped up based on real value. And then second, the government flailing around at so-called solutions to the problem in a way that seems erratic and nonsensical is probably panicking the markets. And that's with good reason, right? I mean, there's reason to fear government intervention in the economy. There's reason to fear Trump deciding to send everybody checks as if that's going to solve the issue. Uh, we need to be sensible about it. We need to you know, do something that's going to mitigate the risk. It's a good thing to do it, but government coming in is almost always going to be a blunt instrument. It's going to do more and worse than could be crafted in the private sector. And yes, we have to do some of it now, maybe because people are in the, you know, kind of habit of depend depending on government to solve the problem. So some of it, but surely what they're doing is too little in the beginning to actually solve the problem. And then they're sowing panic and doing all kinds of crazy things late that are making it worse. Mary says, I live in a retirement tourist town, lots of us at risk. We are pretty much shut down. All restaurants are takeout now, confining myself due to symptoms. Uh, businesses will die here. Well, one way that businesses don't need to die is if we go ahead and support the restaurants with takeout. And if we say, look, it's going to be for a limited time and let people plan on it too. I think the open-endedness of some of these mandates is concerning for people with good reason that 
you know, you need to put some sort of a limit on it so that people can plan and you need to say, okay, doctors go, you know, develop those antiviral treatments and stuff, get some ventilators up. I know that they were 3D printing some of the needed medical equipment in places, being very resourceful about it. It's wonderful to see the ingenuity that can come in and say, okay, you've got two weeks, you've got three weeks, go. We're going to flatten it a little bit, but then life has to go on judged, you know, judging objectively by the factors that are really at play. That is the sort of thing that I think is possible to see. And that hopefully we will see, Um, you know, even Trump at a certain point is going to have to admit that if he was bragging about the economy, you know, the stock market price and everything being so good, that that's what he's hanging his reelection hopes on, that at the same time, when it is tanking, he's got to get some good constructive feedback about what he's doing and what he's not doing to make that better. Uh, Mary says she got Chinese last night and prime rib this weekend. Yeah, the one thing I would just, when you get that takeout, be careful with the surfaces. You know, like after you unwrap the food, say, then wash your hands. Because again, the latest word that I heard is that the plastic can keep the virus on it. Even cardboard, cardboard for hours, plastic for a couple days, stainless steel for a couple days. Uh, Gift cards are a great way to support restaurants. Yeah, if you can buy a gift card online and never have to touch a card, uh, support your local businesses, that is a great thing as well. So there are ways to bridge this. I do think having government officials figure out a sensible end to this, um, to the extent that they can predict such a thing and tell people we're going to do it for this long and then we're going to you know let life go back to somewhat normal and those people who need to be isolated for a risk to themselves maybe you're going to continue to take more steps but a lot of people are going to be able to go on um that is i think a better way and it maybe would make the bar- the markets not panic as much um, a lot of good stuff online we might see better hygienic practices in general going forward. People are now more aware of how you catch viruses and how you don't catch viruses. And I'm hoping that the people in China who love their open markets and, you know, we, I've helped with James interview Robert Garmong from China about those markets. And he talked about how he really thinks they're exciting and cool places and everything, but some of the practices that they were engaging in with respect to all the different animal species is obviously not healthful. So we would like to see a, a, you know, better practices, not as a result of government regulation per se, although that's probably how it's going to happen in China. Um, We'd like to see people just be more sensible in the private sector about hygiene and any practices that would encourage the transmission from animals to human beings of any viruses in the future. Uh, The other thing is that our healthcare community is going to be learning some lessons. Uh, Our experts like Amish Adalja is probably learning a whole ton from the spread of something like this. And hopefully that can be used to mitigate future problems. Um, Lessons in empathy really for fellow human beings. I hope so. Uh, For, for me, uh, you know, I'm going to try to make some lemonade out of the lemons 
And I am going to, some people maybe have seen me announce this on social media this morning when I saw Nick Searcy and his tweet, I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to do it soon. I was already talking about it yesterday. This morning I said, okay, I got to do it. I'm going to do an intro logic course, which is a something that you can do online. And I'm actually going to try to start it next week. So follow me, probably, you know, Facebook, follow my blog at don'tletitgo.com if you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to do this. Those of you who are supporters are going to get a hefty discount on the course, but I'm going to just jump in and offer a course on intro logic, because from what I've seen, people dropping context and not being in favor of actually doing the right and ethical thing, people making racist comments versus, for example, blaming the Chinese government or certain elements of Chinese culture for the problem. You're going to make racist comments. No, this is no good. People are going to defend racist comments. Why? Because it comes from the Trump administration. You define, defend anything that Trump does. Uh, and just being sheerly illogical because maybe you're worried and it's reflected in that. Um, you know, I mean, that, that was my suspicion, actually, when the Trump White House is throwing out these racist slurs. Uh, to the extent that they're doing that, I'm wondering if it's because they realize they dropped the ball in the beginning on this crisis. Yeah, try to separate our panic and our worry from logical thinking as much as possible. And so that's one of the goals. So I'm going to dive in and do that. I hope that all of you are doing the same. So Bree says the open live markets were already illegal in China, just not enforced. Okay, so maybe... They're going to be enforced a little bit, but what would be better is if the people said, okay, well, if I'm going to have my live market, I'm going to follow XYZ practices that would make it safe. Ordered and paid for food by phone. Yes, of course, order and pay for the food by phone. But I'm saying like, even when you pick it up, just be careful with your plastic on the outside. Uh, sometimes you're going to have at the fast food places in particular, uh, you know, kids, young people working there. And unfortunately, you know, again, I'm, I'm pleading with you guys, everybody wash their hands, including young people who personally are not at risk. Why? Because maybe you're working at one of these restaurants and you're going to hand to go food to somebody who is at risk. These are things that we all need to do and think about, but I think we're going to see more of this, more conscientiousness uh, out of people. And that is one of my hopes. Uh, the telecommuting would be a big boom for a lot of people. I'm in California and pretty much anywhere in the state, Southern, Northern, whatever, we have horrific traffic. It's all true around New York City. I hear the DC area is ridiculous. A lot of metro areas all around the country. People waste so much of their lives and energy in traffic. And maybe we will see less of that. We will see more people telecommuting and, and just hanging out at home more, which is what I'm about to go do. Just hang out, pursue a few values, cook some food at home. I think I'll have ribeye. Uh, hopefully you guys have something good planned for the rest of your day as well. Play some chess, play some more chess, study a little bit, probably study up some logic to teach you guys next week. That's my, my goal. Do a, do a link. I'm going to read a couple more comments and then I'm going to get out of here for the day, everybody. It says, if Trump had been cutting regulations to the extent he promised, do you think we could have avoided the problems with the tests from the CDC and the FDA? What I do know is that for a long time, the 
testing criterion seem to be too rigid. And we early on got the story, there was the girl in New York City who said, I had traveled, you know, I had like, you know, travel relevant history and I had symptoms. And because I wasn't so, so sick, they wouldn't even give me a test. Oh, good news from Gail. She says her turkey was delicious. She was able to get a full turkey as a deal. You know, Gail, I was questioning yesterday in my mind, um, whether getting the turkey was such a blessing after all, because it's so much work to make a turkey, but good for you. You made your turkey and it was delicious. It came out good. Yeah, I'm going to go have a ribeye. So uh, why? Because I couldn't find enough ground beef. I bought all stocked up from ribeye, which is all I could get. So now I have to eat ribeye for lunch. I'm going to, uh, yeah, please, please become a supporter of the show so you can reimburse me for the ribeye I had to buy because as a carnivorous person, I couldn't buy my ground beef anymore. Uh, no, be a supporter anyway, be a supporter because of the value traffic in LA is a lot better. Yeah. It's a lot better right now. And you know, it's not going to go back to, I mean, it's not going to stay like this. I think that a lot of people really could telecommute more than they do, but uh, we'll see what happens. I think going forward, people will do more of that because this technology is here. Okay, Robert says, hooray. And yeah, Robert's got a show too. You could check out Robert Nasir. He's uh, five minutes, which isn't really five minutes, just like my show was supposed to be an hour and now it's an hour and 20. We talkers, we, we like to talk. So I'm gonna let you go everybody. And I wish you the very best. I plan to be here with James on Friday, same time again, that's 2 p.m. Eastern with none of the above. So I look forward to speaking to you then again, go to the blog, don't let it go.com subscribe and like here, just stay tuned because we're going to have logic class. Okay. Take care. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.